Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Is it a little warm in here? Yes. They, yeah. they changed it. It's it's getting better. Oh, okay. All right. It feels great. It was nice. Yeah. It's like a sweltering inferno feels nice for a minute. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's now it's a little colder. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it'll be too cold. So so. So our first session, we talked. Uh, we we all want to finish strong, but what we learned was. Um, even though it's possible to finish strong, it's also possible to DNF, to not even finish the race, because many people don't even know what the race is that we've been put into. You didn't sign up for it. That doesn't change the fact that you are in this race. It's the gospel race, being a partaker of the gospel, and we're supposed to run it in a certain way. And what we looked at in that first session is, how do we figure out our particular course as we run this race that we've been put into and 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 then how do we identify our finish line okay so the finish line we learned it's not the grave it's not retirement okay although we think about that a lot it's not the judgment seat of christ and it's not the rapture the finish line is to complete our course paul said i've completed my course. Henceforth, the, the reward ceremony, the judgment seat is, is going to be good. Henceforth, I'm ready to depart. Why? Because I finished. It wasn't like me in the Olathe Lake Triathlon where I did not finish because time and chance happens to us all. Okay. And I look back at that and I'm like, ah, I wish I should have, would have, could have. If only I would have been smarter and tried harder. And it's like, oh, I just kind of figured I had all the time in the world, and that wasn't the case because, like Ecclesiastes nine eleven says, "Time and chance happens to us all." And the verse before that says, "There is once you hit the grave, it's over. It's too late for you to finish your your course." And that's what we're going to be looking at today: is is how you know what are some keys to doing that? And then we saw yesterday in our session. Kind of like when you sign up for a race, you have to go in the day before or the morning of, and you have to get your packet. You have the packet pickup. And in that packet, you've got your T-shirt, you got your bid, you got your chip. You get, you know, someone gives you a little, uh, one of the sponsors will give you a little packet of Gatorade or something. But then you have the rules of the race, which gives you the starting time. And it gives you the course, and it gives you the route to follow. And you have to follow that because there's traffic on the other side of the road. So if you cross over the midline, you're disqualified. It's not be just because people are trying to be bureaucratic. It's because the guys that run the park know there's going to be cars over there. So Lionel Sanders, one of the best triathletes in the entire world, he, he did not finish because he crossed over the middle line. Cheryl Miles did too much work. She did six laps instead of five laps because she, left, she, she didn't keep count. Okay. Were they evil? No, they just, they actually were going a little too fast and trying a little too hard. But the point yesterday was God has given us rules to follow. And we looked at them, your work, your walk, and your, your wife. 
were the, the three different ways we looked at those. And the work, of course, is the finished work of Jesus Christ. And, and we entered into the race by grace through faith, and we don't want to be like the foolish Galatians and be bewitched. And what we started in the spirit, then we're going to continue in the flesh. One of the rules of the race is we have to stay recipients of mercy, trusting God according to his word, and let God work in and through us, not try to do stuff in our flesh. And, and so the finished work, we have to, if we keep that mentality, we keep our joy. We can live our lives. It's like we sang that song, like the It Is Finished song this morning. I don't, I don't remember all the words. But basically it was that message. Like his merit to my account. Righteousness is imputed. The work is done. And now I live in light of that reality. If, if we're living in light of that reality. The one trap of the devil is to take us out of that. And then we're trying to run this thing in our flesh. The second rule is to walk. And we want to walk in holiness. We want to stay anointed, and, and there's a practical aspect of that. I don't, I don't really need to tell you guys that in this room. But the, the trap for us, it's kind of related to the finished work. The trap is that we will be beguiled, like Colossians chapter 2 teaches, by people who, it's really the devil, using men, okay, to try to get us to think Christ is not enough. Okay, Christ is not enough. I have to follow the philosophies, okay, the, the traditions of men. According, I have to function according to the rudiments of this world, and we get beguiled away from the completeness of Christ and the simplicity of Christ, and we get caught up in the isms and the ologies. Pastor Dave and I, we, we rode in together, and we were talking about people that we know and love who got they got shipwrecked. Okay? They're kind of castaways now. Why? It's because the isms and the ologies got it. And all of a sudden, this guy wanted to find significance in his particular doctrinal stance. Christ is not enough. You have to agree with me on whether Paul or Peter was the first Christian and whether the church started at the at the resurrection or, or at the at the Pentecost. Like like, I don't care about any of those things. You know why? Because I'm complete in Christ, and I'm going to stay in that finished work, and that is going to be the song I'm singing. And that's the message I'm preaching is Jesus, not my particular isms and ologies. We talked about traditions. <laughs> yes, but what about the Westminster Confession? What about the Council of Trent? What about, okay, I don't care about your confessions, your councils. And, why? Because that's the traditions of men. And if we focus on that, then we're no longer focused on Christ. And so for us, falling from grace probably isn't going to be doing math and running off with someone else from the church. It's probably going to be we start focusing on the wrong thing. And instead of looking onto the author and finisher of our faith, with Jesus at the finish line, like, come on, you can do it. Finish your course. I'm waiting for you. Um, I, I'm with you, but I'm also at the finish line somehow. And, and I'm over here arguing about my particular doctrinal stance that you must agree with to be right with God. Oh, God forbid. But you know what? That happens all the time. One of the rules of the race 
is that we need to continue to keep the main thing, the main thing, focused on grace. Focus on what the Lord Jesus Christ did, not what you're doing. Focus on what God said, not what I'm saying. Make sense? That is a trap for us. And so that's, we want to walk with our garments unspotted. Don't fall from grace. It's not just sin. It's, it's, it's stepping away from that finished work mentality. And then finally, why? We looked yesterday at, at you know, living lovingly and joyfully with with the wife of your youth like how you courted her you ought to have that same love that same joy that same relationship it should just now be seasoned and strengthened but it ought to be the same joy and the same love and and we talked about crossfit because because this has all been like a race analogy we talked about crossfit so james de coker he used to do crossfit and he would say, the problem with it is you're going to get hurt because they're telling you to see how many deadlifts you can do in 90 seconds, which is easy. It's like, I can do two. Yeah. 90, nine seconds, 90 seconds, nine minutes. It's all the same. Like, I'm just like, I can't do that many. But what happens is people try to do more than they can do maintaining their form. So what happens is their core form might break down before their glutes do. So they're trying to do these deadlifts. And after they can no longer maintain the right stance and the right posture, they continue to do it. Okay, here's one of our stances. Here's a posture that we cannot compromise. It is our relationships with our spouses. And if you're single, apply it to the relationships with the people you do ministry with, the people you can't violate the relationship and pretend you're doing it for the sake of the ministry. No, you've lost your form and someone's going to get hurt if we can't live. So, so open to Ecclesiastes because we'll, we'll wrap up the review here and we'll get started with the, the, this week's message here. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Verse 9, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For this is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Look, so I, I go to work every day, and then I have to go back to work the next day. Then I have to go back to work the next day. I make a house payment, I pay my bills, and I buy the food. Like, like to what end? It's vanity. You're never done. I got Put in a deck in. Guess what I need now? I need another a new deck. It's been 15 years. It's kind of like I priced it out. Well, I'm not getting a new deck. <laughs> I'm just going to go out and cut out the rotten boards. And we're just going to. You know what the, you know what the, 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 the uh, bid was? $35,000. <laughs> because it's up its upper level. Like, okay, no, I got plan B. We're not doing that. <laughs> no, it wasn't for my son. Yeah, this one, he didn't want to do it either. That's crazy. I put a new deck in 15 years. I, mean, I wanted to get the, the fake stuff so I don't have to do it again because I want to get away from that cycle of vanity and vanity. What's the point? Here's the point. Oh, why? That's the point. And yeah, we got to go to the grocery store every week, but then we get emails together. 
Yeah, I got a vacuum. It's got a vacuum again. That dog is shedding. I got to sweep my floors four times a week so that I have a, wife, a, a house to live in with my wife so that we can have our family together. That's what God has given us under the sun is that companionship. But that is a stance. That relationship has to stay intact. And so we talked about why we get messed up. And it's because that word that's translated, help me, that's one word translated into two words, help me. Okay. It is a counterpart. But it's also translated against or oppositional to. So this hand and this hand are, are kind of the same, but they're also kind of opposites. See how they can be oppositional to each other? That's that that word to front. That's also translated as like that. So if we're not working together, so my wife and I are very opposite in a lot of ways. Praise the Lord. We can do ministry together because she can do what I can. I can do what she can. Okay. When we function together like this, we actually get a lot done. When it's this, like, uh, when it's this, we don't get a lot done. Okay, so one of the things, one of the, the tricks, okay, one of the life hacks here is only do the ministry that you can do and keep this together. And if you can actually minister together and use your your oppositional things, okay, so that, that it turns into like, like a good thing, synergistic work, right? That's good. But, but you can't compromise that stance or people are going to get hurt. So we covered that. Those are three rules of the race that you're running that, that came in your race packet that you need to, I don't think those are the only rules, but those are definitely things that we need to look at. So here's, here's the next verse, and here's where we're going to finish up. Verse 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. And so, you know, if we're going to finish strong, we do need to do things um, with our might. We need to, like, try hard. Okay, but that usually isn't the way we think of it. Okay, so so a lot of, like, I, I coached wrestling for a lot of years. And when you try to give a wrestler instruction, there's like this filter. It's probably their, you know, like their headgear. I don't know. But, but this is how it would go. I would say, hey, hey, David, when you're in your in your front stance here, you're putting that right leg out too far forward. Someone's going to do an ankle pick. So listen, just put that leg back half a step, and you won't get taken down like you did last match. So I'm trying to just coach, right? You know what he hears? Try harder. <laughs> do better. And, and the, so, like, literally, I would say that, like, move that foot half a step back. And the kid starts crying. So I'm trying as hard as I can. Like, I never said try harder. I never said that. But for some reason, that's what you hear. Okay? And I think a lot of times it's because pride or because we have trouble receiving instruction and it just automatically goes through this filter which sounds like someone's telling you do better try harder what's wrong with you why didn't you win it's like i don't care 
if you won the local tournament or not. I'm looking past that to the state tournament and you can win today and you're going to get whooped at state. Why? Because you don't think I'm very good? No, because your right foot is 12 inches too far forward in that particular stance. So just bring it back. That, so you try to give instruction and people just here do better and try harder. So when we look at finishing strong, we don't want to err in that way. Uh, by the way, I was that kid too. All I ever heard through high school was do better, try harder. And I like, I was that kid like trying as hard as I could. Like, I didn't need to try harder. I needed to try, I needed to be smarter, which for some reason I couldn't do that. So this passage, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, talks about doing whatever you're doing with all your might. Automatically kind of makes us think, try harder, doesn't it? Like, did you do try your hardest? Did you use all your might? But but the rest of the passage is actually defining for us. Okay. What does it mean to try with all your might? And I'm going to suggest two things. One is, this is gives us the definition of doing something with all your might. But also, I think it gives you a stepwise approach to it. That's something else we were talking about this morning. So, so, so let's look at it. What is the definition of doing something with thy might? Okay. It's, it's considering the work, the devices, the knowledge, and the wisdom. That you, what you won't have in the grave, by the way, but the implication is you do have those things now. So, so apply your work, okay, apply your devices, apply your knowledge, and apply your wisdom to the things that you're doing. And that is what we're going to be looking at today. So, so first of all, we start with that word whatsoever. In 1 Corinthians 9, 23 through 27, we saw this, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Partakers of the gospel, that's our race. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. So everyone that does sports is temperate in all things. How much sleep they get. Their nutrition, how, how what they eat and how much they eat, the activities that they do are all geared toward winning that thing that they're trying to do. So you play basketball in college, right? Yeah. You didn't just play basketball. Like your coach was probably on you about nutrition and sleep, and you had to stretch. Then you had to do practice. You had to do conditioning. And college sports is kind of like, can feel like it's all-encompassing. But I know this, you can't go, like, to the lake with your friends and not get any sleep for three days and get sunburned and then come back and play the basketball game and do well. You have to live your life such that you can, if you want to win, that, look at what the verse says, 1 Corinthians 9. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Okay, so a couple of things from this. You had your life added to a race that was being run before you were ever born. Before you were born, there was a there was a river of purpose that God had established. Okay? People were getting saved before you came along. People were getting discipled before you were born, right? But what happened when you were born again, you were added to it. 
Okay, so have you have you ever witnessed to a uh, Hindu? Who's witnessed to a Hindu before? Okay, Hindus are actually not resistant to saying a prayer or to 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 honoring Christ. Here's the problem with what the Hindus do. The Hindus are like, oh yes, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll worship Jesus, and then and then they go to the Christian store and they get a picture of Jesus. Jesus picture. Then they put it up there on their wall, right next to the picture of all their other gods and goddesses, their national gods and their regional gods and their city gods and their family gods. I got like 20 of them up there. Then they add Jesus to it. They just add Jesus to their life. Okay, is that person really saved? No. Nope. Why not? They they say they accepted Jesus. Why don't they say it's not the word? He's not Lord. They don't put their faith and trust in him. They don't put their faith and trust in him any more than they put their faith and trust in anyone else. So we look at that and they're like, no, that doesn't count. But listen, Christians do this all the time. They're going to add the race to their life. Okay, so here's your hobby. Here's your family. Here's your, here's your whatever you do, your business. I'm just going to add the gospel race to everything else I've got going on in my life. And that is not actually what happened. God added you to the race that was already, your life has been added to his race. You didn't add his race to your life. People that are like, well, I'll add church to my life. It's like, you are the church. You don't get it. You were added to something that God already had in motion so, so why does this matter? This matters because every part of our lives is now part of the race. I, I have my hobbies, but they're part of the race that God put me into. They're not separate, equal categories. They're just actually... So, so I, I have a job. Okay. I have two jobs. I'm, full, I'm on staff here now, full time. But I also continue to keep my medical license active. Okay, that's a mission field. That's not something that's separate. We're doing medical mission trips now at Midtown. I'm bringing that in. It's part of my life, which is part of the race. And so I have my hobbies, and I've got friends, and I'll go on a bike ride. But that's a mission field, and I use that as as fishing holes and part of what God's doing in my life. But I don't separate it out. This is why Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says to, to lay aside the weights and sin that beset us. Okay, so, so this would be the point. If the things that make up your life are not helping you win the race that you're running, then they are weights or they're sins. I'm not saying don't have any hobbies. I'm saying your hobby is a mission field. Yeah. Or maybe it's a way you're stewarding your body. That, that's my main focus is to try to stay in shape. Okay. So I have a hobby, but it's part of what I'm doing. And actually, it's the motivation for what I'm doing. So here's key point number one. Instead of giving more time to the ministry, let's do what the verse says, and let's try temperance. You guys know what temperance is? Yeah, it's self-control. He that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So it, it's sober-mindedness, it's self-control. But another way to think of it is every aspect of your life is, is, is purposed, okay, 
Every part of my life is part of the race. And if it's not, then it's a weight or it's a sin. Okay, so I, I'm temperate in what? In all things. I'm temperate in my diet. Why? Well, because I got a basketball game Monday. I'm temperate in my sleep. Why? Because I got a basketball game on Monday. I have to go do yoga. Why? Well, because I have a basketball game on Monday. Do you want to do yoga? No. But I, in every aspect of my life, I'm looking forward to this thing that I'm doing. And so everything is being dictated and controlled, if you will, for the purpose that, 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 that I'm here for. Does that make sense? So we tend to hear, try harder, give more time to the ministry. And I don't think that's it. I think we need to just bring all the different aspects of our life into the purpose that we're here to accomplish. God so loved the world, he left you in it to win the loss. That's what, why, you got your ticket to heaven, why aren't, why didn't you get on the train? The long-suffering of God is salvation. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why we are still here. Finished work of Christ, woohoo, why is it so dark? Because God's just letting the devil have a little bit more time so that we can win a few more souls. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why we're here is to run this race. So the things in my life, if they're not helping me do that, I'm just going to get rid of them. I don't have time and energy anymore to do all that stuff. I just want to do what I'm here for. And, and so, okay. So that's, so that's really just the first word is whatsoever. Well, yeah, okay, well, let's, let's, let's make sure we're being temperate in the things that we're doing. Whatever we're doing is appropriate. Okay, whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it with thy might. Okay, so that, that is just like, hey, do it with your strength. Do it with, with what you have, just like we would think of that word. And um, so what, what? What are the things that will allow us to do something with our mind? Okay, the first is, is work. First is work, and that's just the activity. So be a worker, do, do activity, do something where you're, you're moving. And, and the problem a lot of times, I know this has been what was true for me, is I developed my work ethic with kind of a worldly mindset. Okay? didn't really develop a good work ethic as a kid, okay? Some people have like, your dad's a drill sergeant or, you know, makes you work in the garden for eight hours. Like like some kids develop a really good work ethic young. I didn't do that. I, I was able, I mean, we had chores, we had some things to do, but I didn't develop a strong work ethic. And the reason why is because, um, it, to, to develop a strong work ethic, you can't be conflicted all the time, okay? So look, look with me at a passage. Look at 1 Samuel 17. In 1 Samuel 17, you know the story. This is David and Goliath. And in, and in verse 21, we see that, that, the, that the armies are lined up against each other. And David's just like delivering the cheese and bread, whatever. He, he's, he's running an errand. 
And in verse 23, as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. Okay, and David heard him. So he's up there and he's just despising and mocking Israel and the God of Israel, defying them. And David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Okay, so just don't miss the picture. Like, these are the soldiers. These are the guys who are trained for battle, equipped for battle. They've got everything they need to go and win the victory, right? Well, here comes this guy defying them, and he's a giant champion. He's a scary-looking guy. So they're all afraid. Why are they afraid of Goliath? Okay, so so they're because, afraid because they're giant. Because their eyes are on themselves. Their eyes are on themselves. And what might happen if they fight this giant? They're gonna die. They might die. They don't want to die. Okay, they don't have anything really in this fight worth dying for. Okay, but look at what it says. And the men of Israel said, so they're talking to David. Have ye seen this man that's come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and make his house free in Israel. Says the professional soldier who runs away when he shows up. Hey, if you kill this guy, man, you will be rich. You'll be famous. You'll marry the princess. Like you get red carpet treatment everywhere you go. And your house will be free in Israel. Autonomy. Hmm. Be your own God. You can do what you want. Like, like, like that's everything that the world offers. Rich. Power. Self-determination. That's what you'll get if you go kill that giant. It's like, well, why didn't you go kill him? Why are you telling me this? You're the one who's a professional soldier. You're the one who's equipped. You're the one who's ready. You've been standing here facing off like you're going to fight. What, why? Okay, so why didn't they go get rich and famous and powerful? Why, why didn't they do it? Because none of those things do you any good if you're dead. <laughs> so they're conflicted. They want the riches. They want the girl. They want the power. But to get it, it's going to risk their lives. And they're not willing to risk their lives to get the things that the world offers, that the, that the king offers. Okay. This is why I had to work on my work ethic. I want to have a good work ethic. I want to be an industrious. Like those guys who are just like, oh, let's go get it done. Let's do it now. We'll do it to completion. We'll like... Do more before 9 a.m. than the rest of the world does all day. Oh, you know, like, I want that. Here's the problem. I'm kind of conflicted. Because to do that, I have to get up early. I can't take breaks. I can't, like, get on my phone watching plenty of YouTube videos. <laughs> Look at the cat. He's chasing the thing. And it's like, I, I like, it would cost me something to get what I want. And I'm conflicted because the same person who wants that doesn't actually want to do the work and give up my comfort, ease, and pleasure, aptitudes, mentalities, in order to do it. There's a conflict there. Okay? 
you're running you're running a half marathon coming up you want to run a half marathon there's a part of you that doesn't want to run <laughs> so which is it do i want to do it or do i don't want to do it well i'm kind of conflicted make sense some okay the reason sometimes we struggle to just be good workers is because because of that confliction so we want to be people of action we want to be people who are industrious who get things done and the verse says whatever you do whatever your hands find to do do it with thy might okay for there is no work in the grave where you're going so so we want to learn to be workers right now and i, I would say that that we could cross-reference with the verses that say whatever you're doing do it with all your heart love the lord with all your heart your strength your soul like like, like let's be all in in the things that we're doing and and most of us do zero percent of things with a hundred percent effort when's the last time you did anything and you can say with a clear conscience i gave it all I, I didn't hold back. I did my very best. Just think, just, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say do better, try harder. I'm just trying to say, when's the last time you did something and you know you did it 100%? You did it with your mind. Every, you worked as hard as you can work. I, I can't think, like, it's it's kind of a funny thing to think through. Sometimes you just got to, like, I'm done for the day. I'm going to bed because it's... I got to get up in the morning, but instead of doing a hundred percent of the things we do with a hundred percent effort, somehow our culture has convinced us it's okay to do things 50% effort or just until it gets uncomfortable. If there's, if it's hard, there's something wrong. You must be a victim. And it's like, no, I think things are supposed to be hard. Like work is by definition, like moving something from one place to another, like it requires work. So our culture tends to do too many things with too little effort and make excuses on the way. So one reason that we don't put in 100% effort is we wouldn't have any excuses at the end of it if we lose, if we fail. So I did not finish. Well, there was a storm. Okay, that's an excuse. Did I give 100%? Nope. That's I'm using it as an illustrator. It's not a giant big deal. I keep bringing it up. It's not like you're like I need to pray for things. It's not like <laughs> that big of a deal. But I kind of wish I would have finished. I kind of wish I would have given 100. percent And I can say, look, I, I didn't get to finish because the storm came in. But at least I know I gave 100. percent I gave it my best. Because the part that haunts me is, could I have finished? Had I given my best, and I and I didn't. So. Our culture somehow, but but here's the excuse. You want to hear my excuse? There was lightning. And the race coordinators shut it down. There's my excuse. Okay. Hey, I, I, I tried and I failed. But it was the ref's fault. Chiefs are blaming the refs now for everything that's going on. Well, don't put it in the ref's hands. Don't, 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 you shouldn't be in a, like, I don't know, you got beat by the Raiders. They just came and punched you in the mouth and you rolled over and you're whining about the rest. Come on, man. Did you give 100% or not? So, the, the it, I, okay, so I'm, I'm wandering here. Sorry. <laughs> we sometimes don't give 100% because we're afraid 
if we give 100% and fail, that people are going to look at us and say, you're not enough. So we want to keep that excuse. Sometimes people will get up and speak and they put their excuses out there at the very beginning. Well, I, I, I'm really nervous. I don't know if, if this is going to be any good because I just drove here from, and it's like, okay, well, you just lowered everybody's expectations. You know, just do your best, give 100% and trust God because that's what he did. That's what he wants from us. Okay, so, so those who DNF their courses, and they do a lot of things in life. They have 24 hours in a day. They have seven days a week. They've got 52 weeks a year. They've got the same rotation, the same vanity under the sun. Okay, people who DNF, who do not finish their courses, they do a lot of other stuff. Okay, but they don't run the race that got us set before them 100%. Okay. So one thing is we do need to become industrious people and it will just make life so much better. Missionaries, church planners, small business owners, sometimes you're putting out fires. Okay. And it's it's just like there's fires and you look at the biggest fire and you go and you're just like, ah, this fire, I'm getting under control. It's like, oh, it's not the biggest fire anymore. Now this, I got to go put out this fire. You guys don't ever feel like that? Christine and I did that. Like, we got married in college, nothing but fires. Med school, wow. Residency, having twins, starting a new practice, moving, being part of a church plant. Our whole lives until recently just seemed like just running around frantically trying to get the biggest fire down to where it's not going to burn everything up. And then, and then there's another fire. And here's the problem with that is sometimes we don't actually like put out the fire and fix the cause of it. It's just because we're running around and it's, you, you can become frenetic and, and you can get this attitude where it's like, I'm too tired to deal with that. I'll do it in the morning. Okay, so, so simple example, the, the dishes. Okay. <laughs> So you cook a big meal, it takes a long time, there's dirty dishes in the sink, everybody eats, it's late, and, and you have company, and it's like, it's two o'clock in the morning, but I'll do them in the morning. Okay, the problem with that mentality is that you, you still have to do the dishes. And the problem is, in the interim, in the space between when the dishes got dirty and when you clean them, your kitchen is not clean. It's not safe, it's not clean, it's not ready. It's probably safe. But it's not clean and it's not ready. So now you start your next day and you walk in and it's like dirty dishes and your heart sinks just a little bit. It's like, uh, okay, well, I gotta go to mission focus. I'll do, them, I'll do them later. So you will do the dishes, right? Right. The problem is you have a dirty sink. And then now the time comes and I want to cook my next meal and I can't. <laughs> so I have to wash the dish and that next project now takes forever. And so when, when we live like this, so my garage currently would be a wonderful illustration of how, of what not to do. <laughs> I got cushions. I got plants in there that, that have had to come in for the winter. We haven't dealt with yet. I got Christmas stuff. Like it's a disaster. <laughs> Because why? Because I did that. I'm like, I'll deal with it later. Now my garage is, is horrible. 
And I'd be so embarrassed if she saw my garage door. Okay. And now I got to deal with that. So instead of dealing with it industriously, diligently, in a timely fashion, now I couldn't put my cars in there if I wanted to. There's a big hailstorm coming. Like, man, this is going to get down with like, It's going to take me an hour to get in there and to get it straightened up. Okay. Being diligent, you the work is easier when it's fresh. Okay. Just do it and get it. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, you're probably really diligent people and, and you've already figured this out, but there's the, it's easy, hard, or it's hard, easy. Yeah. You can do it the easy way right now. It's going to make it hard later. And everything's messy in your life and cluttered. And you can't find the thing you need because you didn't put it away where it goes. Okay. Or you can do it hard now, but that makes it easy later. Does that make sense? Hard, easy or easy, hard. It's the same amount. The difference is, do you live in a place that's tidy or do you live in a place that's cluttered? Industrious people, if we'll simply do that, it gives us, okay, much more efficiency in life. All right, so the application, let's lay aside the weights and sins. And so practically, what would that look like? It would look like going through your activities, going through your schedule and seeing what things on there really are not things that need to be on there. Gordon McDonald wrote a book called um, Restoring Your Joy, okay? And he talks about going through your life and, and everything in your life is either discretionary, that means you can take it or leave it, or it's not discretionary, something you have to do. And he says, take all the discretionary things off your calendar and just put the non-discretionary things on there, okay? Get a time and a place for them. Those are the things you have to do. And, and we know now we should do that with all our mind. Let's give our best effort to the things that we know we're supposed to be doing. Now, as you get those things taken care of, now you can add back in the discretionary things. Make sense? Okay, so, 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 so you want to clear off, make passes through your calendars, planners, activities. Remove the things you cannot or should not do with all your might. Add them back in later because here's the thing. The race we run is an endurance race. It's not a sprint. And I can't sprint for 26 miles. I mean, I can't even jog for 26 miles, but it's an endurance race. And you can't do a thousand things with your mind. You just don't have, we're not built that way. So, so that if we're going to do the things that we're going to do with everything we've got, we have to do fewer things. But that's also probably good. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. My goodness, I can labor in the Lord, and it's not like laboring under the sun. It's not just vanity. It's actually going to result in something. So, so we'll move on to devices. Okay, so the first key is we want to become industrious. Okay, the, the next key is, is talking about devices. So the verse says there is no work nor device in the grave. All right, so Brian had just talked about tools. Talk about the importance of tools. And he was talking about Arion's computer thing he's building. Like how cool the tool is that? And he said tools are tools. Now people matter though. Like it's people who are going to get it done. And that's kind of 
we kind of see this here. And I said, I think it's not just a defining thing of, of doing this with your mic, but it also, it, it helps us with kind of a template. So the first thing is become industrious. And I think about second Peter chapter one, add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, 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 temperance. No, so you don't add knowledge to your faith, do you? Yeah. You get all messed up if you do that. You'll just get big headed, knowledge, puff it up. You add to your faith virtue. So virtue is this thing like, man, I'm gonna, I'm going to, I've got resolve, I've got some metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. I'm going to serve the Lord of my life. I've got faith in Christ. I'm going to follow this path. Can I do it perfectly? But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run this race. Okay, then now we need to start adding in some other things. Add your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance. Okay, so the knowledge is only useful after the virtue. Okay, so that same sort of thinking here. After you decide, like after we become industrious people, now we need to get our tools in place. Okay. So, so what about these tools? Okay. So I got my, my running here. So I, I was thinking about this illustration and, and just to run, got running shorts with a liner and there you got to have that. Got my water bottle. So you slip your hand in there and you don't you don't have to grab it. Because if you grab a water bottle, then like you get all tense and after an hour, like so so got my special water bottle. Got got my uh nutrition stuff that you put in there. Got my headphones. Okay, so I, I got the cadence. I just get songs that have the same cadence that, that I run at. So I can kind of just zone out. Not the autistic kid in me can just like, like, okay. My race belt, gotta have that to bring all your stuff. I got my running shoes in here. I mean, it's just amazing how much stuff that piles up. I got my running hacks out of melanoma. So I don't wanna get another melanoma. So I gotta protect my scalp when I run. All these different things are the, the tools that I have in place to run. Now, do I need all of those things? No. Okay. Why do I have all of those things? I actually have shoe inserts I didn't show you. Like there's, I have those things because I'm trying to optimize. I'm trying to do this with all my mind. Okay, it's hard enough to do it. It's hard enough to just be getting older and weighing too much and trying to get back in shape and rehab my knee. So I'm trying to optimize and do this with all my mind, use whatever resources I have to get the tools I need to run the race that's set before me. That's just the, the run. You gotta see the Viking stuff. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's fun, all the junk I have. But, but what am I, I don't need that. I just need a pair of shoes and a trail to ride. But I'm trying to get the tools together to, to make full proof of this thing, to try to help me and optimize in every way I can. So, so, so you're called to make disciples, right? You guys all do that? How many of you have written your own discipleship material? There, there it goes. Most of us have not. What do we do? We use the tools that are in place. 
within the structure that's in place. Imagine you trying to go make disciples and fulfill the Great Commission without any materials, tools, structure. It's just you ready to go. You're supposed to go talk to someone and say, hey, you want to let me disciple you? You're like, no, 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 thanks. Don't want that. You know, typically, but we use the tools, the devices, the structures, the systems that are in place to do what we've been given. So once we go to the grave, once our, our race is over, okay, it's too late to take advantage of the things that we have in place. We had a we had a, a, a kind of an up and coming leaders and deacons meeting before mission focus. Okay, and one thing that happened at that meeting is Eric Phillips presented to the group some some tips on time management. Hey, here's some tools you can use. I'm going to check out Notability. Why? Well, because I've decided I'm going to run this race. And the next point is going to be that I, I need to get knowledge. But without a device, half the time those words fall to the ground. So I don't have any system or structure or tools in place to grab those. And I find myself having to relearn something I learned five years ago. It's like, oh, yeah, God showed me that. And then I kind of forgot it. And, and so... What Eric has, has done is he's figured out how to digitize, is that the right? Digitize the things that he has. And as long as he's got his, his notebook over there, electronic notebook, he can search, get his data. He can remember those things. He can take those notes and he's got them all. He doesn't let them fall to the ground. That's a device or a tool that he's used. Notability, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. Okay. So we want to use the different tools and the things that are in place for the course that God has called you to. So for me, I, I, I need a desk with a screen and I, I need my Bible and I've got my electronic concordance. It used to be a real physical concordance with the treasury of scripture knowledge and, and those books. Now it's all electronic. But those are things that I need to have in place in order to do what it is that I'm called to do. Now, speaking of in place, have you heard of mise en place? You ever heard that? It's a French cooking term. So what it means is, is before you start cooking, you get everything set up in its place. So when you go into the sandwich shop and they're like, what do you want? And they're like, I want this bread. And they get the bread. And then the ones that are good at it, they don't even have to look. So it's like, oh, okay, mustard, and it goes right back there. Mayonnaise, oh, goes right back there. Oregano, oh, right there. And, and they know, even without looking, they can just grab stuff, use it, and here's the key. Ready? They put it back in its spot. Okay, so the new guy comes in. He's like, what do you want in your sandwich? Mustard. And he's like, okay, mustard, and then he just sets it over here. The manager comes in. He's like, uh-uh, mustard goes there because it has to go back in its spot so that you know where to grab it next time. So everything has a place and there's a place for everything. And the key is when you're done, you're able to put everything back where it goes. Okay, so I, I've got my, my system for taking notes in my Bible. Well, except I lost my blue micro, you know, pen. So now I can't take the notes. Well, I'll just use a green pen. Well, now my system's all messed up. So I have to use that blue pen. 
to take the note. If it's about discipleship, it's it's blue. The key words are underlined in blue. The key verses are underlined in blue in my Bible. And the outline for the discipleship lesson is just over in the margin of one of the memory verses. So now I've got my Bible. I've got a system. I've got a device in place. So I've got the list of the Bible study lessons. Not this Bible, my preaching Bible. But in my big study Bible, I've got a list of the discipleship lessons with the memory verses just referenced over on the side. I can go to that lesson. Oh, lesson number seven. Oh, okay. I can go to the memory verse. I open it up. It's underlined in blue. And then off to the side, there is a little outline of the key points for that discipleship lesson. All right. So as I'm flipping through my Bible, all of that is, is, is reminding me. Oh, yeah, that's the discipleship memory verse for lessons. That's just a device. Okay, here's the problem. You know what the problem is? I don't have mise-en-place for my pens. What? What'd you say? Mise-en-place. A place. Everything set up. Everything oh, the, in its oh, place set up, and I use that blue pen, and then I stick it behind my ear, and I walk <laughs> off to the ground. You know why? Because I my work ethic was established in the world where it doesn't matter, and I just got a little mentally lazy, and I'm not industrious, and I lose my blue pen, and so I don't have my system. See, if we can have mise-en-place, if we can have tools. So here's the thing. Do you have a place where you do your quiet time? You're like, well, I don't need a place. Okay, praise the Lord. I do. I, that's something that I need to run my course. Somewhere I can go and I can shut the door. And I can just focus. And, and so I have a setup that works for me. Now I had to buy stuff to do it. I had to buy all that stuff to optimize me running my race. Now I've got my stuff, it's in my duffel bag, I have it in my car. I could go jog right now. Why? Because I have my stuff. Okay, so if you want to set up your life and and, and, and once you decide you're gonna do this, you're gonna do it with all you've got, get the tools required. Christine was conflicted about her kitchen remodel. It was clear we needed to remodel our kitchen. This was, a, this was years ago. She didn't want to do it, though, because it was going to cost a lot of money. So she wanted, there's that conflict. She wanted it done, but she didn't want to pay the cost to do it. And then she was just, she couldn't figure out what she wanted, what color, where stuff goes. And I'm just like, not my lane. <laughs> I'm not going to be helpful if I try to like take over and tell her how to remodel. I don't know how to remodel. But I did ask her this. I said, what would be best for the ministry in terms of our kitchen? She goes, oh, that's easy. We'd have people come in. So we need an island right here. We need drinks over there. We need this. We need a backsplash over here. We need a new sink. We need a new fridge. We need a gas stove. We need to take away that little thing that juts out right there. We need to remove that so that people can walk around. I'm like, there's your kitchen remodel. It took you 30 seconds to let me know how to remodel this kitchen in a way that's best for the ministry. So we had someone come in, we bid it out, we looked in our bank account, we had exactly that much. I'm like, there you go. All it took was, how can I order this thing based on what's best for the ministry? And then God just took care of the cost. Why? Because it was all part of the race that we're running. There was no conflict. 
It wasn't, I want to do this, but I don't want to do this. No, if it's part of the race, am I willing to pay the price? Yeah. If it's just remodeling my kitchen, am I willing to pay the price? I don't know. That's a lot of money. And Does this make sense? But if it's part of the race, let's get the devices set up in place so we don't let things fall to the ground. I was talking to Victoria this morning in line to get coffee. I'm like, how's mission focus going? She's like, oh, it's going good. I said, how's ministry going? She goes, oh, it's going good. And kind of feels like I'm in a daze sometimes. I got this Bible study and there's a lot going on. She said, I had to get a planner, kind of like a planner slash journal that I carry around with me all the time because otherwise I forget stuff or I talk to people or God would show me something. And if I don't write it down, I lose it. So she's had to get organized. She's had to anticipate hearing from the Lord. Like you keep that notebook beside your bed sometimes in case God, I don't know. But what happened? She had to come up with a device in order to do the ministry that she's doing. That's what we're talking about. And then to that, we add knowledge. Okay, that's what the verse says. So there's no, there's no work. There's no device. There's no knowledge. It's in the grave. All right, so knowledge, we, we know about knowledge. I think I put in your handout, we, we always kind of think or say to ourselves, like, I wish I would have known then what I know now, right? Why do we say that? Well, it's because you've learned stuff in the meantime. I know more than I, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have done something differently. And the problem with, with what we're doing now, okay, is that, we can't count on that same problem. Like, like we can't count on more time to have the slow, gradual process of gaining knowledge. Like we, we need to know now what to do now because the finish line is in sight and it's time to finish strong. Make sense? Mm -hmm. In the grave, there is no knowledge. Like you can't just go back and be like, oh, okay. Now we need the knowledge that we need now to run this race that we've been given. That's why we need to have the tools in place before we go and get the knowledge. Otherwise, you're just going to let that fall to the ground. But the the the, the thing is that, you know, I, consciousness exists between the grave and the resurrection. Okay? Consciousness exists between the grave and, and the resurrection. And it's going to be too late. That's what this verse is saying. It's going to be too late for you to learn what you need to learn to run well once you're in the grave. So we need to get this information now. We, we need to get our devices set up. We need to get our Bible study. And so our opportunity to study to show ourselves approved unto God is limited. Proverbs 4.26 says, ponder the paths of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. And here would be a point of application from this. Okay. There's, that's not Genesis 21.16. That's Proverbs 4.26. I'm just looking at that. All right, go back. Um, the application, create additional discipleship lessons. What's that mean? Well, what I mean by that is the, what are your discipleship lessons? They're categorical Bible studies. 
where you there's a there's a category a certain or a topical Bible study we could say it's a it's a Bible study on a certain topic. What Proverbs four twenty six says is ponder the paths of thy feet. So look at your life, the things you do, the things you say, and let all thy ways be established. So the discipleship lessons that that you covered, your job and your employer, money and possessions. The family, the local church, prayer. Like you you have, you've kind of established what the Bible says about those things, right? Well, we should ponder the paths of our feet. Okay, so instead of just studying the word of God, which we should do, I'm going to study my life. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto. Pay, take heed to your ways. What do you do? What do you say? What are your hours filled with? What are the paths your feet go on? Where do you go? What do you do? Ponder those things and then make sure that you've got book, chapter, verse for all of those things. That's the knowledge we need to be temperate and bring everything in our lives, okay, to be lived according to this race that we're a part of. Make sense? So when I say create additional discipleship lessons, I, I don't mean like we're going to publish it and make discipleship 1A. I mean you for your life and the course that is set before you. You need to have book, chapter, verse. And so here's a structure. Here's a device. I actually have a file on my desktop that's, that's labeled additional discipleship lessons. That helps me cover that. Remember to have some. I gotta have something to, to 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 organize it in my mind. Okay, so I come up with mnemonics, or or I come up with stuff like like the blue ink is this. Like I have to find devices in order to capture all this. But that's what what one thing we could do in terms of of gaining the knowledge that we need to live out what we have. I would suggest without the devices that work for you, and it's going to be different than what works for me, but without those devices, you haven't done it with all your might. There is still strength. There's still knowledge available to you that you've not accessed because you haven't put the devices together in your life because that aspect of your life you have separate from the race that God has put you in to run. We need to bring it all in together. Be temperate. That aspect of your life is controlled by the fact that you're in a race, and this is what God has said. Make sense? So we can do that. To do it with all your might isn't try harder. It's, yes, be industrious, but get your systems, your tools, your devices in place, and then let's fill that device, that tool, with the knowledge from God's word. And then finally, wisdom is the last one. Wisdom is also, every time wisdom is used in the, in the word, it has to do with a skill of some sort. It's the ability to do something, say something, think rightly. It always has to do with skill in some way. It's not always translated that way. But we can see in First Chronicles 28, 21. And behold, the courses of the priests and Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. For there shall be with thee all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful, man for any manner of service and that's that same word is wisdom full of 
wisdom, skillful. And it's the ability to accomplish something. So let's just let's just kind of start from the beginning. In order to do something with our mind, whatever your hand finds to do, okay, we need to be industrious. Okay, we need to have our systems in place. We need to have our devices in place. We need to learn what God's word says about it. But then the final aspect is to be able to do it. How do I actually get to where I can do something? So the best analogy I have is I went to medical school, which it, it took um, more endurance than intellect. Anyone can do it if you're willing to suffer. It's just like for me, I, that that's what it what the challenge was was am I going to quit or not? So I felt like I remember buying a lottery ticket. It's like, well, Lord, just in case, <laughs> just in case you want to spare me from another week, which is a test block. I used to get these canker sores in my mouth all the time. I, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I wasn't taking care of myself. And I get these canker sores and uh, just miserable. God was using that to show me I needed to be a disciple. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I just remember buying a lottery ticket. It's like, the Lord, just in case, I'm doing my part, which is to buy the lottery ticket. <laughs> Your part would be, you know, if you want to spare me any more of this misery. I, but there, I finally decided, yes, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this work. I'm willing to do that. And of course, there's structures and systems in place. And then I learned what I had to learn through the structures and systems in place. But then after I was done with all that, there was three years of hands-on training called residency. Okay. So that those three years, I went from knowledge to wisdom. Okay. Because you know a lot of stuff when you come out. You have a lot of knowledge, but you don't know how to do anything. But we need to send some people to Zambia. Amen. That would help you guys, but you know what? It's really going to help our guys. Yeah. Why? Because they don't actually know how to do international ministry at all. We can help you guys with leadership development, but they, they don't know how to do that. They're, they're going to have to, at some point, find a situation in which they can go and apply the knowledge they have and learn through trial and error, through mentorship, through guidance, how to actually apply all this knowledge that they have. And that is how we attain wisdom. And it is the ability to actually do something. So whatever your hands find to do, okay, you want to make sure you have all these different things in place to be able to do it with your mind. Because finishing strong, it is possible, but most people DNF. Okay, so for us to finish strong, we have to know what the race is. We have to know what our courses are. Okay, we have to know what the rules are. And then we, we probably, it's going to take everything you've got. Okay? Establishing a ministry is kind of the work of a lifetime. The thing that God called you to, you want to make full proof of it. But it's, it's probably going to take the rest of your years. It's probably going to take the rest of your effort. Now, praise the Lord, maybe not. Maybe you can complete your course. And have lots of years left to play golf and go on cruises and and take vacations and I don't know whatever else people want to do. 
But for most of us, it, it pretty much takes all we got to do what we're called to do. But after we do that, I see you guys shaking your head and rolling your eyes about playing golf and going on. There's nothing wrong with playing golf or going on cruises. But you want to know something? After doing the work in the ministry, it's boring. Yes. After winning someone to Christ, having a life that I can imagine, which is comfortable, easy, and pleasure, but doesn't include soul winning and discipling and training leaders and teaching and preaching and encouraging and establishing the, the work of God in the lives of people. That, what a boring life. Like, what would I do? Like, oh, go to the buffet. Well, I do that anyway. What would, like, what a... It's just after doing the work of the Lord, everything else is boring. So now, I make Ted Christian on a cruise, but it'll be a vacation. And then I'll come back and I'll run the race. Okay, so yeah. All right, we, we're, we're time to wrap it up. Thank you guys for being here, for being part of this session. We've got three years of curriculum for this session now. So the, the current plan is next time, next year, we're going to go back and hit the stewarding our, our health and uh, get practical in terms of, of of what that looks like. That God can change it, but, but that's kind of the plan for right now. So We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.